You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. So this is a pretty short passage that we're going to be looking at today, and uh, you know, it took, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to preach on. I had three different passages that I was thinking about coming to you today with, but some of the other ones have kind of been hit on recently. I was going to talk about uh, in Matthew 22, the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they're just like, teacher, we know that you're telling the truth because you don't care about what anyone thinks about you. <laughs> uh, and I just thought that was a good example to us to realize that Jesus was willing to say bold truths even in the fa- even in the face of people who would give him like you know like weird faces and whatnot he was still willing to say uh, what the truth was and what that could mean for us but I felt like I'd preached on that recently so I didn't want to kind of like you know over hit on that and then I was going to preach on the famous love passage the greatest commandment love your neighbor I'm sorry love God and then the second is like you love your neighbor as yourself but Marie covered that very well while I was on vacation a few weeks ago for a wedding. So I thought today we would just move ahead into Matthew twenty-two forty-one, where Jesus says something that's always stuck out to me because I never really quite understood what it meant growing up. And it just kind of encouraged me today, like, let's dive a little deeper and see what we can figure it out. So uh, I'm going to read it to you and I'm just going to give you four different takeaways that I think might be helpful to you. Uh, It's kind of like four mini messages in one. So you get more than you bargained for tonight, but all together it won't won't take that long. Don't worry. Look, just one sheet, one sheet of notes. He's giving four mini messages. Leave before it's too late. All right. So (laughs) Uh, here's what we read. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. All right, so four mini messages, starting with number one, Jesus valued scripture. Uh, I just feel like this is important to hit on in today's generation because, to be honest, a lot of times the the things that I hear people say about what they believe, even in the church and uh, how they, what, what is acceptable, what's not, like it's just based on feelings. I feel a certain way, so therefore I just go with that because God must feel the same way that I feel. Uh, Even more so, we take those feelings and we ascribe it to the Spirit. Well, I feel a certain way, so the Spirit must have made me feel this way. But here's the thing with the Holy Spirit, okay? If we believe as Christians that this is also God's Word, then as it ends up, the Holy Spirit is not interested in speaking the opposite of what you find here. So Jesus valued scripture, and he shows that to us time and time again all throughout the Bible. When Satan comes and tempts Jesus, do you remember how Jesus responds? Well, Satan actually comes and tempts Jesus by quoting scripture to him because he knows that Jesus thinks scripture is important. He's like, here's how you can fulfill these prophecies, Jesus. Here's how you can fulfill it. 
And Jesus is like, mm, no, that's not what that scripture means. And, you know, he's able to like say, you're, you're reading the Bible wrong. You're quoting that out of context. Or, or Jesus will just quote scripture back at him to show him where he's wrong. Likewise, as Jesus is debating with people and as he's going around, you find him getting into the scriptures, quoting things that have happened throughout the Bible. So for Jesus, the scripture is very valued here, so much so that his his conversation with the Pharisees, with these religious people, in order to shut them up because they've been trying to test him, he goes to the scriptures and gives them a theological smackdown. Right? He's like, here's a thought to think of from Psalm 110, where, where David says, My Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So Jesus is just quoting scripture. Remember, they didn't have printing press back then. This is all up here. He just comes right out with it. He's been dealing with it. He's been thinking over it, memorizing it. It's in his mind. It's in his heart. So Here's Jesus valuing scripture. And I just think that's important for us to realize today because it means that we can't just go willy nilly with Christian beliefs and how we feel, which will change with every generation. Right. If we truly want to believe something, we got to go to God's word and the Holy Spirit's not looking to just like throw God's word out the window. The Holy Spirit is looking to help you read God's word better. And maybe, maybe I've added to this confusion sometimes. Because you're going to find me sometimes get up here, right? And I'll get into a difficult passage. And then I'll say, okay, so I'm going to tell you actually something that sounds very different from the passage that's up on the screen. But you'll notice that when I do that, I do it by looking at all these other scriptures, right? This hodgepodge of things to help us sort through what we're looking at. So like something that might be helpful... Uh, analogy. Women in ministry, we as a free Methodist church believe that women are called to ministry. Now, if you focus in on some passages that Paul says very specifically, you're like, well, the Bible says that women can't be in ministry or shouldn't teach things like this. But if you zoom out and look at the entire Bible, you're like, actually, these passages right here are, are confusing compared to the rest. Paul here, it seems like he's saying women can't be in ministry. But then Paul's talking to a female apostle over here, obviously an apostle's in ministry. (laughs) He's talking to a female prophet over here, obviously a prophet's in ministry. And if a prophet's not allowed to speak, then they're not a prophet because that's what prophets do. So once you start taking like the entire Bible into context, you're like, okay, so I'm not just discrediting the word. I'm not saying like, well, I feel like women should be in ministry, so I'm just going to say that's how I feel. No, I come to the entire Bible to say we got to flesh this whole thing out all the way through. Now, there are other subjects sometimes where my heart might feel like, well, Jamie, you got to sort that out more because the world's telling you to sort this out. And I'll go to the Bible and be like, I'm sorry. But as I look through all the statements on these topics, it's actually, you know, traditionally what the Bible's saying is, is where we've always gone. So All that being said, if you ever feel like Jamin's like challenging scripture, I'm challenging scripture with scripture. (laughs) Okay, I'm challenging scripture by taking the whole thing into account, not just like saying, well, I just don't feel like that's right. So I'm going to throw it out the window. That's how you work with the scripture. You take the whole thing and kind of flesh it out. Uh, That being said, that's just like one example. Another thing sometimes you hear me say, you hear Jamin say like, 
I really like to focus on the red letters. I like to focus on what Jesus is saying. Now, anytime I've said that, I've never meant that the rest of the Bible is not God's word. I've never meant like that the rest doesn't matter and that I don't read the rest. I do. All I mean by that statement is if Jesus is the clearest example of God in the Bible, because Jesus is God in flesh, right? Then I want to put a lot of focus there in my studies, because if I can understand the way that he lives and moves and breathes and talks and says things and what he cares about and really get my head in this WWJD moment, what would Jesus do? You know, so I get to the point where like my entire life might start looking like, Jamin, you're faced with this conundrum here. Well, what would Jesus do? Well, if I can answer that question, then I'm doing what God would do because Jesus was God. So my focus on saying like I focus on the red letters a lot and why I preach on the Gospels so much here. It's not because I don't value the rest of the Bible, simply that in our limited time to come together, sometimes I'm going to put a lot of focus there because that is our clearest example. But the rest of the Bible is God's word, too. He's speaking it out. So when you come across confusing things in the Bible, you just need to understand like you can acknowledge difficulties, but this is still God's word. This is a sacred word. (laughs) And honestly, like my entire job up on the stage teaching would not exist if I did not care about this word. All that to say, Jesus valued scripture. We see that in his life time and time and time and time again. And so we need to do it, too. I think that's just something important to recognize. A lot of times today, people don't. It doesn't matter. We don't read it. We don't pay attention to it. And if uh, you were to say, I feel this way about something, I say, well, here's what the scripture says. And your answer was just like, well, I just don't feel that way. That wouldn't be like a fair kind of like credit to Jesus who did care about what it said because that was his way. So we're tracking Jesus valued scripture. That's our first point to take away from the second. David worshiped in the spirit. I love this, but. David was a songwriter, okay? It's funny because, like, on one side of things, you got, like, David the manly man, a man of war and a man of, of yeah, politics and all these things. But on the other side, you got David the shepherd boy who loves his sheep and plays the harp and writes poetry in his free time. <laughs> you got, like, these two different sides of David. But one of these sides is he loved to worship. And what's interesting is his artistic form of poetry and his worship, it often took him into a different, the spirit would take him into a different kind of place when he's doing it. And Jesus just acknowledged that in today's passage. He said, uh, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? In other words, Jesus, God in flesh, acknowledged that when David wrote Psalm 110, He didn't just write words. It wasn't just like, ah, here's a few words that are just on my mind right now. David is saying like when, sorry, Jesus is saying when David wrote Psalm 110, he was writing it with the Holy Spirit. These aren't just uninspired words. The Bible is full of words in which God is inspiring its writers to write out. So here we see David worshiping in the spirit. And this means a lot to me as someone who likes to write music as well and write lyrics and things like that. Because as I think of, I just like to think like, how did David get to this point, right? How does David just like sit down, get ready to write some music and then write about what Jesus is going to do many, many years down the road? How does he just sit down and he's like, 
One day God will say to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I will put my put your enemies at your feet. Like that's so far away. David doesn't know who Jesus is. Jesus hasn't been born yet. Yet as the spirit comes on him and he's writing poetry, he's writing art, he's writing music. Suddenly he's taken to a place with the Holy Spirit to prophesy about something that's going to happen way down the road. Again, this is the importance of your scriptures, spirit inspired, spirit led writing. But in this case, Jesus recognizes, yeah, David did not just write that out of his own being. He wrote that as the Holy Spirit came upon him. So that's your second thing. David worshiped with this within the spirit. Uh, point three, Jesus is the ultimate authority. So let's get to the translation of what Psalm 110 is talking about, because if you're like me, you maybe had a hard time understanding it. But Psalm 110, Jesus is talking to uh, these religious leaders and he says, "Okay, whose son is the Messiah? Whose son is the Christ? You could say that. And they're like, well, son of David. Now, if you've been tracking with us with our series on Matthew, the son of David is a very important figure because it's been prophesied by all the prophets of old. One day, the great King David will have a descendant in his genetic line who will be the Messiah. He will be the Christ. And so here's David saying, okay, that son of David, that character, that Christ, that Messiah, whose son is he? And obviously the answer is like the son of David. He's the one we're expecting, the one from David's genetic line. And then Jesus quotes a psalm. He's like, okay, okay, so here's the deal, guys. David wrote this psalm and he says, the Lord said to my Lord, in other words, Yahweh said to Jesus, Sit at my right hand. And then Jesus pauses. He's like, David is saying that he has this Messiah figure down the road who he will consider his Lord. And when I say Lord there, I don't mean God. When I say Lord in this case, I'm talking about like a master. In ancient times, not even ancient times, this is today times too, right? You don't give birth to someone who is then in charge of you, <laughs> right? Like the someone is not just born is like, oh, my goodness, I must now uh, give my life to this little baby child. And David, of course, he's like this great, glorious king. He's like the, the human king of kings in the Bible. He's the one everyone looks up to, the one that they're hoping for a descendant from. And here's Jesus saying, like, how is it that this Messiah figure who is David's descendant? How is it that David, who should be? This Messiah's master, his Lord, because he's he's his parental parental figure. How is it that David's like, I worship this guy. This guy is my Lord. This guy is my master. I do what this guy says. That's especially in ancient contexts, like honoring your father and mother, things like that. Like that was, you know, like this seems completely backwards. But Jesus quotes that. Why does David say here? That he is calling a descendant of his, my Lord. And Jesus' point in saying that is like, whose son really is he? Is he just David's son? Or is it since Yahweh is saying to Jesus, sit at my right hand, is he really God's son? Because that's what David's kind of prophesying in that statement. Jesus is the ultimate authority, so much so that he breaks the rules as to who follows who. David will eventually, his line will give birth to someone that David must bow down to.
Jesus is the ultimate authority. And that Psalm 110 is like a huge Messiah verse about how how this Messiah figure is going to break the rules as to what humans should do. And he's going to go into heaven and sit on a throne in heaven. It's only room for a throne for God in heaven. But this Messiah will also take a throne. Why? Well, as we learn, as the Bible story goes on, that Messiah is God in flesh. Jesus is God. So he too will take the throne because he is Yahweh. Okay, so that's mini message number three. And your final mini message, you cannot win a debate with Jesus. You cannot win a theological debate with Jesus. Okay? So here's the deal. This story is on the end of like three other theological debates. Basically, once Jesus gets to Jerusalem, they all want to argue with him to try to entrap him in his words. You ever see someone do this before? <laughs> like you put out an impossible question to answer because whichever way you answer it, someone's going to be mad at you and it's going to ruin things for you. That's exactly what they do. So the Herodians come up to Jesus and they try to mess him up by getting him to answer a question. They quiz him and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, should, what should we do about taxes? Caesar, oh, we owe taxes to Caesar. Should we pay them? Now, if Jesus says pay your taxes to Caesar, then all of the Israelites are going to be mad at him because that overlaps with uh, false worship of some sort. We don't have time to get into it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We have a whole message on that on the podcast somewhere, though. If you want that, track me down. I'll give you the link. Um, but then if Jesus says, um, don't pay your taxes, well, this kingdom of Rome is going to come up against him and consider him a criminal, right? Instead, Jesus doesn't take either of those routes. He's like, whose image is on this coin? And they're like, well, Caesar's image is on it. Okay, so I guess Caesar owns this coin. Give him his petty coins, whatever. <laughs> and then Jesus goes on to say like, well, it's implied, in my opinion. Jesus goes on, well, he goes on to say, uh, give God what his, what's his. So give, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, give him his stupid coins, and then give to God what's his. You remember whose image human beings are made out of? God. So if Caesar's coins have Caesar's image on them, he can have his coins. But you as a human being, you have the image of God on you, so give your whole self to God. So Jesus responds in a way that they are not expecting. And, and the Herodians are just like, okay, uh, that's a good answer. <laughs> we don't know what to do with that. And so then the Sadducees come up and they quiz him on resurrection. And they give him a ridiculous story about resurrection. They don't think resurrection's real. They're like, if resurrection is real, Jesus, then here's a story. You wouldn't approve of this story. Uh, we won't get into it right now. But Jesus gives another answer they don't expect. And they are left speechless. They know that he, again, has won a theological battle in a way that they didn't expect. They wanted to mess him up and make him give a weird answer, but instead he has succeeded in giving a better answer than they could have imagined. And then the Pharisees come up and they want to quiz him on the greatest commandment. There's lots of theological debates. There's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Which one's the most important, Jesus? And his answer, first love God and then love people Leaves them like, oh, well, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> He's done it again. And today's passage is fun because Jesus is almost like tired of all this quizzing. So he quizzes them, right? You guys keep trying to quiz me. The Herodians, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all the religious leaders of this town keep trying to make me say something stupid. <laughs> now it's your turn. Tell me who is 
the Messiah? Is he the son of David or is he the son of God? And they, he gives them an example and they're left like, oh man, <laughs> I guess he could be the son of God. But we know what that's implying about this guy because people claim that he's the Christ. Is he saying he's the son of God? And I love the way that the passage ends. Let me read it to you again. No one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> because the religious leaders understood like, this guy wins every theological battle that comes up and we keep looking like the fools every time that we try to mess him up with these things. So in today's passage, four things that we could walk away with. One, Jesus valued scripture. Two, David worshiped in the spirit. Three, Jesus is the ultimate authority. And four, you cannot win a theological debate with Jesus. That being said, four questions I want you to ask yourself based on each one of these as the band comes up, which is me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Four things to ask yourself. One, do you trust in the Bible as God's written word like Jesus did? Two, do you try to worship in the spirit like David did? Three, who's on a throne in your life? And four, how often does Jesus win the debates that you have with him? Because you know that he always should be winning. And if we find in our lives that for some reason we always walk out victorious, there may be a question as to if we're really listening to what he's saying or if we're making him in our own image. So those are your mini messages to take away tonight. Uh, we're going to spend a little time worshiping and just praising him, taking him up to the throne where he belongs, making him the ultimate uh, authority in our lives. So you take on whatever posture you'd like as we sing these few songs before we close out. But would you start by standing with us? And... Uh, Joel, are you able to do some prayer? Okay, so this morning I was preaching in Chelsea. Joel gave me a bunch of words for people that he felt on his heart. Uh, but there were so many words he gave me, I just feel like maybe I should offer them one more time. So in case that he got words for both this morning and tonight, if any of these uh, uh, ring true with you, you might want to consider getting some prayer in the back, though you can get prayer for anything. Thank you, Leora. Uh, we're not saying that these are definitely from God. We're just saying that as we try to listen, they may be some things. So someone who has a stone exterior, but an inner flame waiting to emerge. Someone who feels like they have a calling to ministry overseas. Someone who God has uh, shed a light on two paths that they could take, but the path, the correct one to take still feels unclear. A right, a stinging in the right side of the scapula. Someone who is emotionally walking on sand and wants to walk on a firm foundation. Struggle with alcoholism and desiring God would help recover that to stop self-pain and pain caused to others. 
uh, some anger over a loved one telling them that they're stubborn. A smoking addiction that very few people are aware of. So very good at covering it up. Spiritual cleansing of the heart and mind. God wants to pick up the pieces and put them back where they belong, similar to how you teach a child to clean their room. If anyone has a twitch in their left hand between the pointer and middle finger. So those are just some things. If the, any of those apply to you, feel free to go get prayer. Though you can go get prayer for anything at all as we worship. Our songs tonight are very aimed at uh, exalting God to the highest place. So let's do that together.